There are many things about the will of God for your life, for your life personally, that I can't tell you. <clears throat> I can't tell you where you're supposed to go to college or what you're, if you're a teenager, what you're supposed to do after high school. I can give you some principles. I can tell you whether your ideas are, are, are a good idea or maybe safe or not safe. But if you just flat out say, Pastor, tell me what I'm supposed to do after Tell me what God's will for my life is after I graduate. I can't, I can't tell you that. I can't tell you which job God wants you to take. I can give you some principles. I can tell you what might be wise or not wise, but I cannot tell you what God's will is for which job you're supposed to take. I can't tell you which house God wants you to buy. I can't tell you the name of the person that God wants you to marry. Or how many children God wants you to have. But there are a few things about the will of God. That I can tell you for sure. This is God's will for your life without a doubt. How can I be so sure? Because the Bible precisely says. This is the will of God. And one of those things. We're going to focus on this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And verse 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We always want to know what we think of as the big things of the will of God. And when we hear something like this, we say, oh, brother. But you know, maybe if you would focus on what you think are the little things, God would show you the big things. The Bible clearly says that it is God's will for us to give thanks to God in everything. Now listen, if you're going to give thanks to God in everything, and notice, I don't know if this is an important distinction, but to me it is, as I read it, everything is not all one word. The the, uh, spell check kept telling me everything's supposed to be one word, but... Everything to me says, you know, a a big pile of everything. But this says everything, which is not a big pile of everything, but this thing, and then this thing, and then this thing, and then this thing. To me, those are two different concepts. In everything, give thanks. If you're going to give thanks to God in everything, then you're going to have to have gratitude for God in your heart all the time. The heart of every believer ought to be overflowing with gratitude to God all the time. If your heart is not overflowing with gratitude to God, Christian, then I'd have to say that you're spiritually unhealthy. A heart that is always grateful to God will keep you humble. And a heart that's not humble is a heart that is not grateful to God. A heart that is always grateful to God will keep you close to God. And the person who's not close to God does not have a heart that is grateful to God. A heart that is always grateful to God will fill every day of your life with love and joy and peace. 
And the person whose life is not filled with love and joy and peace has a heart that is not grateful to God. A heart that is always grateful to God will teach you to trust God. Now, by the way, these are statements that I base not only on Scripture, but, but and Scripture is first and foremost, but I can also add to that personal experience. That when you have a heart that is grateful to God, it teaches you to trust God. And I'm going to elaborate on that for just, uh, I could elaborate on all of them, but I'm going to elaborate on that one for just a second. How so? What does gratitude to God have to do with trusting God? Because when you figure out, as James says, that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, then you learn to trust the God who gives you all these good things. See, we look at our lives and we see the good things that happen and we go, did God do that or was that just a coincidence? When you come to the place when you're grateful to God for every good thing that happens to you, and by the way, you take responsibility for every negative thing that happens to you, then you trust God. Then you know if the good things are going to happen, you're going to have to depend upon God for the good things to happen. And so I say again that a heart that is always grateful to God will teach you to trust God, and the person who doesn't trust God has a heart that is not grateful to God. A heart that is always grateful to God will keep your spirit right. And a person with a bad spirit has a heart that is not filled with gratitude to God. A heart that is always grateful to God will keep you encouraged. The person who is always discouraged has a heart that is not filled with gratitude to God. And I don't say that to condemn you. I say that to examine your heart. You say, well, you know what? I am discouraged all the time. Okay, then change your gratitude level. That's the only reason I'm saying it. I'm not saying it to, to, to say, oh, he's getting down on depressed people. No, I'm not. I'm saying if you're discouraged all the time, check your gratitude level. A heart that is always grateful to God will enable you to encourage others. The person who constantly tears other people down has a heart that is not filled with gratitude to God. The most positive and encouraging people you'll ever be around are the people who have a heart filled with gratitude for God. It, it's, it's just, they go together. A heart that is always grateful to God will cause you to live in God's presence because God inhabits the praise of his people, the Bible says. And the person who's not living in God's presence has a heart that is not filled with gratitude to God. Let me stop and say this. I'm not talking about praising God today. I'm talking about the root of praise, which is gratitude. The act of praise is important. I've preached on it many times and we try to practice it every service. But I'm going to the root today and saying, your heart ought to have overwhelming, overflowing gratitude to God every moment. A heart that is always grateful to God will make you a servant. And the person who's not a servant has a heart that is not overflowing with gratitude to God. A heart that is always grateful to God will make you more like Jesus. And the person who's not becoming more like Jesus has a heart that is not filled with gratitude 
to God. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. There's a very well-known scripture song based on this verse. If you don't know it, it's very easy to learn. Sing, uh, it goes like this, and if you know it, you can sing it with me. And if you don't know it, you'll learn it the first time and sing it the second time. I'm telling you, it's tremendously simple. It goes like this. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. All right? If you just heard it for the first time, now jump in and try to sing it. Ready? In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus. Amen. Now those little courses will help you. You know, when you go into the store or the mall and, and uh, you know, Selena Gomez or somebody's screaming at you, hey, you just pull out your scripture songs and you can tune her out. If you're like me, you don't know who's screaming at you. You just don't know, you don't, you don't want them screaming at you. I want you to notice that, now I have to admit, I do know when Merle Haggard's screaming at me, okay, but, uh, but I don't mind that so much, unfortunately, I have to confess. But anyway, um, I want you to notice that the verse doesn't say, for everything, give thanks. But it says, in everything, give thanks. I may not be able to be thankful for every circumstance, but I can be grateful in every circumstance, right? I may, not, I may be in the middle of a, of a very difficult experience, one that I'd never hope for, never wish upon anybody Yet in the middle of that difficult experience, I can be grateful to God for something totally unrelated to that experience. I may not be grateful to God for having a flat tire. But while I'm changing the tire, I can be grateful to God that my sins are forgiven. I may not be grateful to God for my pounding headache. But while I suffer the headache, I can be grateful to God for delivering me from eternal damnation. See, in everything. everything, Give thanks, for this is the will of God. Now, you might make the argument, somebody make the, may make the argument and say, Pastor, but I think that's telling you that you're supposed to learn how to be thankful for that very circumstance. Maybe that's the case, but you've got to admit, there's some things that in the moment you don't feel very grateful for. So while you're getting to the place where you can be thankful for that circumstance, Express your gratitude for the things that never change, like, hey, I'm saved, my sins are forgiven, I'm going to heaven forever. I may not feel that I can be grateful for every circumstance of life, but I can be grateful in every circumstance of life. Sing that song again with me. Ready? In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. I can have a heart that is overflowing with gratitude to God all the time. And I should have a heart. And so should you. You should have a heart. I should have a heart that is overflowing with gratitude to God all the time. Can I say to you, 
you, you sat there and you listened to my friend Jesse Dominguez last week tell the story of how the Lord took his 16-year-old daughter to heaven suddenly going on two years ago. And having been with him, in communication with him all this time, I can tell you there never has been a time where Jesse or his wife Julie have ceased to have gratitude to God. Oh, they weren't grateful that they had had to say goodbye to their, or had lost their daughter without a chance to say goodbye. They, they, they can't. I'm not saying they were grateful for that. But they were grateful that God knows what he's doing. They were grateful that they know for sure they're going to see her again. And so many other things, they never lost their gratitude to God. Now listen to this statement. The redemption of our eternal souls by Jesus Christ is enough to warrant our overflowing gratitude to God every moment for the rest of eternity. I'll say it again. I want you to get that. Let it soak in. The redemption of our eternal souls by Jesus Christ is enough to warrant our overflowing gratitude to God every moment for the rest of eternity. We have a dog. His name is Rocky. We've had him for approximately 12 years, if if my uh, memory is correct. My kids were small. They wanted a dog. And uh, so... Anthony Finelli uh, did a lot of work uh, in uh, Westchester, and he knew my kids wanted a dog. Uh, our kids were friends with his kids, and so he had heard that our kids wanted a dog. And so he came to me and he said, uh, "He said, I, I there's there's a customer that I have in Harrison, and he said uh, the mom wants to get rid of the dog because the the, the teenage kids totally neglect their dog." And um, she said she just she wants to give it away to somebody that'll take care of it. And he said, "I've seen the dog. He's he's great, great dog. A year or so old. And uh, you want to take him?" I said, "Sure." So I drove the van down to Harrison and and uh, picked him up. And he'd already been named. His name was Rocky. And uh, they uh, he he stayed outside on a chain all the time. And never got any love or affection and often went without getting fed and even got beat a little bit. And uh, so I put Rocky in the van and it's about a 45-minute drive from there to where we were living at the time. And, and so the whole time, uh, Rocky sat up next to me and he was, he was shaking the whole time. I think just the the new atmosphere and the, the you know the unknown and so forth and he was he was quivering the whole time. I got home uh, probably half an hour, forty five minutes before Amy and the kids got home from school that day, and uh, so I brought Rocky in the house and I was going to have Rocky there when they got home, you know, to hey we got a new dog and I don't remember whether they knew how we were bringing him or not. But uh, either way, I knew it was going to be exciting. And so I went in the living room, and I sat down, and Rocky, uninvited, just ran up and jumped in my lap. Now, he's not a huge dog, but he's not a little dog. He's, uh, he's about, it's about the size of, uh, of the average uh, uh, Labrador, I guess. So we're, you know, he's not, a, he's not a, uh, a German Shepherd size, but he's definitely not a poodle size. He's a good-sized dog, and... Jumped up on my lap uninvited and stayed there 
didn't move and, and shaking the whole time and panting the whole time. For 30 or 45 minutes, he just stayed there. And uh, he, he, wouldn't, he was happy to see the kids. It was exciting. He never, you know, was never uh, a bite or anything like that. But he stayed next to me. Can I tell you something? I'm just, I'm just fessing up to you, you dog lovers. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I'm not the, the, of all of my family members... I am the least affectionate to Rocky. I don't, I don't hurt him. I don't abuse him. I like him. I pet him. But I don't give him anywhere near the attention that Amy or any of the three kids have given him over the years. And yet, he worships me. Do you know why? Because I'm his Savior. In his eyes, I delivered him. I was there. And... After all these years, he's never forgotten that. So I don't pet him like the kids do. I don't, uh, you know, I don't go, I don't do any of that stuff. There's places they allow him, things they allow him to do that absolutely not get out of here. You're not doing it. Doesn't phase him. He responds to my voice like he responds. And why? I saved him. Can I tell you something? Rocky's got more sense than a lot of Christians do. We have quickly forgotten that without Christ, we were destined for eternal damnation. He saved us. And whatever else he may or may not do for us, that ought to be enough. I say again, the redemption of our eternal souls by Jesus Christ is enough to warrant our overflowing gratitude to God every moment for the rest of eternity. We've forgotten that without Christ, we would have to face the judge of the universe guilty of having rebelled against him. We've quickly forgotten that we rejected God. We revolted against our creator. We chose to be our own gods. We chose to disconnect ourselves from the only source of life. And God had every right and every reason to let us face the damnation that we had chosen. God doesn't send anybody to hell. We chose to be our own gods and to damn ourselves and disconnect ourselves from the source of life. But in love, God took our damnation upon himself. That's what that cross is all about. That is God taking my damnation and your damnation upon himself. In love, God endured sin's penalty for us. In love, God called upon each of us individually, extended his nail-scarred hand to us, and invited us to receive his forgiveness and everlasting life with him. And if he never has visited you and given you that invitation, he's doing so today. It's no mistake that you walked in here today. It's no mistake that you're sitting here hearing of the love of God and how Jesus took your penalty for uh, sin upon himself and he's inviting you today to be forgiven of your sins for all time and to receive everlasting life. And now, here we are, child of God. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. So I say again, the redemption of your eternal soul is all you need. 
to warrant overflowing gratitude to God every moment for the rest of eternity. Because without Him, you're damned forever. Pastor, that's a little strong. No, it's not strong enough. We revolted against our Creator. Without Jesus Christ, we're damned for eternity. What else do you need to have gratitude in your heart for God? Sing that with me again. Ready? In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus. Amen. God will never do you wrong. He'll never be unfair to you. But I want you to consider for a second if God could be unfair to you. If God could be unfair to you, if he could, he can't, but if he could, the gifts that he has already given you would still demand your undying gratitude no matter what you might suffer. We have this humanistic standard that if I'm having a bad day today, God doesn't deserve my gratitude. He saved us from our sin. You couldn't go to hell now if you chose to. And you won't choose to because you're under the grace of God. You met this week, those of you that were here Wednesday, uh, Monday and Wednesday, you met my friend, Pastor Tom Herzl. Of my friends that were here this week, he's the oldest. And uh, he was there. He was at college before any of us. And as far as I know, I'm the second oldest. All the other fellows came after me. And... uh, Pastor Tom Herzl has a reputation of uh, being kind of mean. He likes to laugh at people. He likes to, he likes to insult people. He likes to, to see you embarrassed. And the, more, the closer you are as a friend, the more he likes to embarrass you. He likes to prank you. He just, he, he, and, he, and he delights in it. Uh, but the fact is, and it can, it can frustrate people. So some, one or two of the, the guys who are here this week, they get a little aggravated at uh, Tom sometimes. But I got to tell you, I, I, don't, I don't see that side of him, and I don't get aggravated by it. You, you can I tell you why? Because when I was a college freshman walking onto a, a, a college campus <clears throat> as a brand-new student, and I didn't know anybody. I didn't have anybody there waiting for me. I had no connections whatsoever. I just sent in my application, I got received, uh, accepted, and I showed up. And I stepped on the campus, me and my parents, and we're in the parking lot, and here comes this, uh, this guy in his uh, uh, jeans and a sweatshirt and grass stains on his, on his pants, and somebody, I told that uh, story the other night, and they, somebody said afterwards, that's pretty much the way he got off the plane today, but anyway, um, <laughs> us in the parking lot. <clears throat> and uh, said, hey, let me help you with your bags, and let me get you on my dorm floor, and let me get you into my room. And he was an upperclassman. I was a freshman, but he watched out for me. Yeah, he had a, he had a motive, and that is that he needed to sign up a bus-calling partner. But, you know, it would be very easy to sign up a bus-calling partner and then forsake him and treat him like dirt. Uh, Brother Tom didn't do that. He took me visiting with him on Saturday. The first person I saw led to Christ in Chicago at their doorstep was by Brother Tom. And I could probably take you to the house if it's still standing. 
And uh, he led a, a lady to Christ at her doorstep there. He taught me how to visit. He taught me the, the bus route. He taught me about visiting late on Saturday night. He taught me about going to prayer meeting and division meeting faithfully every Saturday morning and not missing. He taught me about getting up early and going to the bus center and uh, getting the bus at 4 o'clock in the morning, getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to get all that done and uh, staying and riding the night bus every week, not missing. And so you don't get back until uh, about 1 or 2 o'clock on Monday morning and uh, he taught me that and he taught me that's the way to do it and so that's the way I did it the whole time I was there he taught me that you don't quit he taught me that you you don't give up he taught me uh, that you that you don't uh, uh, go go easy he don't take the easy path and by the way he watched me make mistakes and he 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 said hey be careful don't do that you don't want to make that decision and uh, that's why, by the way, all these years later, I have a, I'm surrounded by a group of friends, many of whom have been in the same church for over 20 years. That's a rare thing. The average pastor stays in his church two years in America. And I've got a band of friends, most of whom have been in the same church for over 20 years. And it's Brother Tom that brought me into that. It's Brother Tom that kept me on the right path and taught me so many things. And so... He's in a category in my life that he can do no wrong. Now, if he ever, you know, went and, uh, uh, you know, if he uh, wound up a drunk or a murderer or whatever, uh, you know, I would, uh, I would have to acknowledge that and address that. But you know what I'm talking about. You have people in your life that have been so good to you that they are in a category that they can do no wrong. I don't mean that you overlook things that need to be addressed. I don't mean that you, uh, that you let uh, uh, sin go. Uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. You have them in a category because you're so grateful to, to them. You have them in a category that you say, man, I will honor this person for the rest of my life because of what they've done for me. Now listen, if a human being can get to that place in our lives, human beings with flaws, human beings with weaknesses, if human beings can get to that place in our estimation, why should not our eternal Redeemer who died for our sins, forgave our sins, and gave us everlasting life, no matter what else he ever does, why should he not be in that place of eternal gratitude? Let's say that, sing that again. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. We are closing in on the end here. Let me just make a final observation. There are certainly times because we're human, because we're weak, that we don't feel gratitude for God. What do you do then? That's when it's most important that we express our gratitude to God when we don't feel it. Why? Listen carefully. Gratitude and praise are like the fruit tree about which God said in Genesis 1, whose seed is in itself. He said that of the fruit tree. He said that of the grass, the plants of the field. He said whose seed is in itself. What does that mean? That means when an apple tree grows up, it produces what? Apples, and the apple is the fruit, but the apple is also the seed for the next apple tree. Gratitude is the tree. 
Praise is the fruit, but praise is also the seed of more gratitude. So, when you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like walking, you don't feel like talking, you don't feel like smiling, you don't, you can't, you don't even want to open your eyes sometimes, and you certainly don't feel like praising God. Plant a seed of praise so that a new plant of gratitude grows in your heart. And you don't have to wave your hands and, and, and shout glory. I'm not saying that. How about just this right here? This will plant a seed of gratitude in your heart. Lord, thank you for being so good to me. Lord, thank you for being so good to me. You'd be surprised if you'll plant that simple seed of praise. How the gratitude will grow in your heart. Lord, thank you for being so good to me. Before you know it, your heart will be overflowing with gratitude and it will produce the fruit of praise. Let me say again, even if redemption were the only thing that God has ever done for me, I'd have cause to worship him every moment for the rest of eternity. So what if my car breaks down? How can I not be overflowing with gratitude to God when he's redeemed me from my rebellion and my eternal damnation? So what if somebody treats me unfairly? How can my heart not be overflowing with gratitude to God who has redeemed me from my rebellion and my eternal damnation. So what if I have problems at work or with my finances or with my business? How can I not have a heart overflowing with gratitude to God who has redeemed me from my rebellion? And eternal damnation. By the way, he's done so much more, but I don't want to focus on other things until we understand we have all the reason we need to be grateful to God every moment of every day. He has redeemed us, and that's forever. What if I have a health issue that plagues me for the rest of my life? This life only lasts. <clears throat> A hundred years if everything goes well. But for eternity, I'm redeemed. I'm saved. How can I not have a heart overflowing with gratitude to God? Let's sing one more time and then we'll close in prayer. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning. Amen. Let's stand together this morning.